0: Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the President, please send them to pip at Streetport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zachary Scott and to you live from North Carolina. Thank you for joining in with me across this great nation, across this great land. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a five-star review wherever you're watching, listening. And today we want to welcome and enter into this new season, a new month that we are in in the Gregorian calendar and even month in the Hebraic calendar, the month of Elul, and see the transition we talked about yesterday of the shift and our journey through restoring the covenant blessings of entering into the throne room for ourselves and for our nation, and and specifically the apostolic shift that through this journey of the restoration here and in the month of Elul that the Lord has has walked us into, and, and, you know, it's part of that new wineskin uh, type prophetic words that we've been having for multiple generations and and all throughout history. And I want to wish Ms. Glenda Roberts a happy birthday today. Thank you, Ms. Karen, for uh, reminding everyone of that. Um, Thank you for joining in this morning with us. And today we look at Luke 10. And i just want to kind of go from a, a hierarching perspective. And so in Luke 10, we see today, uh, or we see what Jesus is talking about here, and he sends out 70 to go ahead of him before he went into certain cities. And, and, and then you see them return and being happy with the results because they understanding the authority that they have via the even the name of Jesus at that time and before his death and resurrection. And then you see the story of the Good Samaritan and Martha and Mary. And when when Jesus is telling Martha, um, you were worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary right now, and Mary has chosen to do the good part. And so I say those – just highlight those stories because we see through this that uh, number one, there's we we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but but we see this apostolic shift uh, occur here in Scripture, from what would be Old Testament works mentality that the Jewish culture then had become uh, very accustomed to, to now trusting in the Lord. To be there, and in even some cases where they were told to leave their money belts and extra bag of clothes, and to have full faith and trust in the Lord and the Holy Spirit to be with them and take the authority that the Lord has given him, even through just the name of Jesus there at that time, to be able to heal those in those cities. And then there's obviously rebuke for some of those cities, but we're seeing here this shift of an even more understanding of the power and authority that once Jesus was removed, they would have via the Holy Spirit. And then obviously their, the disciples, their understanding of coming into that full knowledge of it, and so we'll, we then see um, him… Jesus being tested, that's about the neighbor, the Good Samaritan, and then finally, the gleaning part of it. And, and the reason I just want to stay high level on this is because uh, we see here through Chuck's prayer points in this prayer study that we're going on. is He says, notice the apostolic shift in Luke 10 of how we, we're going from this works mentality and we're going from this transformation um, via just the name of Jesus. People being healed uh, a representation of the the coming outpouring of the Holy Spirit and and, and the day of Pentecost. And then you also notice the ministry shift through the parable of the Good Samaritan, of loving thy neighbor, uh, of simply being there for those who we come across um, in whatever capacity we can be in. And then finally, the last uh, notice here is to notice the call to sit and glean the best, which is with the Lord, as Mary was doing. And Martha, again, was worrying about works and being distracted. And yes, there is, you know, faith without works is dead. Principle still applies, but there are times, and it's understanding the times and seasons when it's proper to be able to walk with the Lord um, and just sit there and glean from Him and then as you're restored, refresh, go out, pour out, come back, as Jesus would have done throughout his whole ministry time on the earth. Of, of, there were times he had to pull away from the disciples, uh, and we see that there is a representation for us throughout our everyday walk. And with that mindset and understanding of Scripture today, that foundation, we want to look at today's news with a redemptive mindset if you watched our service last night we talked about there was a prophetic word given on this this coming season as we're continuing to build upon the four-month warning that we're in and and four-month season that we're in to really stay low and glean from the lord and with the lord in this season and let him come and reside in us for a hopeful Revival, not only for our lives, but the cities, and states, and nations for whatever's going on, whether it be voter roll crisis, um, the elections coming up, tyrannical government overreach, is at at times in history when there's ever been a a need for revival is when you look at some of the darkest times in the earth and look at this nation is before the revolution. Um, from the, the Declaration of Independence to the Revolutionary War is there was the Great Awakening, the revival coming that that stirred something in people's hearts before any of that ever started by the spreading of the Gospel. And then as we have been called to do that, um, we're, we're understanding the realities of – Have we been called to walk that out as well, we're understanding the realities of what we need to get back to. And so today I want to go th- through some news. Um, look at things at a a high-level perspective, keep things in a redemptive mind frame of what the Lord could be doing in this season, and then end on, um, as last week I pointed out, I wanted to look at some studies on the church and where the church has gotten away from some foundational understandings. And so I'm going to bring up some studies and some some numbers to to really show some things that I think will hopefully um, (laughs) – Touch our hearts to pray for this nation and, and the church leaders more specifically at a higher level. Okay, so now I want to go international to start off, and I want to take a step back um, about eight eight months ago. So back in January, Wall Street Journal put out a report talking about how the rising threat from China has pushed and is pushes U.S. and Japan to deepen military cooperation as – This is before the Russia-Ukraine war popped off in that situation there. So you saw China uh, coming closer to Japan, coming closer, um, stretching out towards Hong Kong, Taiwan, etc., as it it tries to build itself up. And something Trump warned about. Now we jump to today in time to where Japan is now supercharging, as it's being called by the Daily Caller, uh, it's military in response to China's threat. They're increasing their budget by, uh, it's like 40 billion US dollars. And then also they want to develop um, and supply in strategic positions around the island of Japan, long range ballistic missiles, and things to protect themselves and as a sovereign nation. It's a very wise thing for them to do. This bill will, if, if this does go to pass in Japan via their budget processing system, through their legislature, their parliament uh, type system, they will then be considered the th- one of the third largest um, militaries around the world. Now, just un- we want to understand this that's going on. And with what's going on with China and Russia will play into this as well so we're seeing this on the military side them wanting to do that then we're also seeing this is coming out as of last week uh, and some things being put out this week that Japanese gas companies have signed long-term um, LNG contracts natural gas liquefied natural gas contracts with the new, Sakhalin 2 operator. And the reason this is important is because this Sakhalin 2 gas operation company is headed by none other than Russian President Vladimir Putin. Now, one thing to, to be intellectually honest is that Japan gets about 9% of its natural gas from Russia. Here begs the question of if they're unable to get it from anywhere else since the United States is not producing any and they have to go to the likes of Iran or Russia or anywhere else to get something to heat their houses in the winter because it gets very cold there, this now provides, in this instance, more leverage for Russia to tell Japan to back down if their military were to be in a position to prevent and come into battle with China in the that region of the world. You're now building up a strengthening via proxies, via Russia, for China. So the this type of deal here only strengthens China. And there are other gas companies, this was Tokyo Gas that signed this long-term deal, There are other gas companies in Japan that are speculative about this. They're not going forward with it. And then um, as the battle for the supply uh, internationally of liquefied natural gas increases, it's only going to increase the cost of everything, unfortunately. So we see that. And want to understand what's going on and how problematic even this Iran nuclear deal and other deals that countries are making with Russia, China, Iran, etc. Um, could be something to be very well aware of. And, and so we just want to have a full understanding of these things that are going on uh, and how Russia and China are strengthening their position. And look. Supposed to be uh, sanctions to prevent this stuff from happening, but in reality, all this does is again help Russia and hurt the rest of the world um, at that varying degree. Okay. Now, we we'll come back domestic of looking, like I said before, we want to look high level about what's going on politically here in the United States and take a barometer gauge, if you would, per se about what's going on, how we can pray, and how we can look at what to pray for and look for in the season ahead. So I want to start with the special elections results out of Alaska recently where Sarah Palin has – and both Republicans – lost to um, Democratic former state legislature uh, Nick uh, – excuse me. Wrong name. Um, Mary Polito, Patello, excuse me, where you had basically two Republicans split the Republican vote and then the one Democrat win the Democratic vote. And therefore, she got the 51%. And so she'll be going in. Big caveat about this is that this is only for the next couple months before the midterm elections for the full two-year term as um, this was to fill the um, seat vacated by the recent death of the former representative in this seat. So this is um, interesting to see as you get closer towards the midterms of, is something like this happening in other states? Are there candidates – is the Republican Party fully working together? Because the Republican Party fights against itself um, where this could possibly be an issue. Can – Can they lay down their pride? Because this happens in Louisiana as well very often, which is why you have a a Democratic governor there right now, Um, and it causes problems. And sometimes people need to realize, and more so political candidates need to realize, uh, laying down their pride and stepping aside would be the best thing for the state. Um, And if… So be it that they would be a potential candidate, an actual potential candidate, that it would be better for them to step aside and then possibly come back again next term. Most of the time it doesn't happen. Uh, you see when they, they fight like this, they end up never running again, um, which is very interesting, just on a, a, a political note there. Now we're seeing House Republicans also, and, and want to take a barometer of this, of laying the groundwork for an impeachment on Biden. They've already started this in this Congress, which would be an utter utter failure um, to even push forward with this as they do, do not have the votes. They're coming in um, under threshold here. This, this is an uphill battle, even as it was for Nancy Pelosi and Democrats last go around under Trump. Obviously, there are reasons, there are things to concern Americans about with what this president is doing, how he's being handled openly being handled and him even admitting to it recently um, but this is a bad move and, and this leads to the idea and understanding that look you have to give a plan. when Trump gave a plan, it worked. And when any other candidates give a plan it works ie Democrats they're giving plans And at the same time you're seeing this you're seeing Biden and Democrats go after and attack the quote unquote, Uh, threat by MAGA Republicans and extremist Republicans, and this is a smart – this is a a very smart strategy from Biden to do this, to divide the Republican Party and independents against each other and and saying, hey, they're crazy. They're doing all this, and he's not fully expounding upon it. He's just saying one-liners and saying they're crazy. They're causing all of this, and he's pointing to some cases of people kind of being the outliers. I'm not saying I agree with him. I'm saying – this is his strategy, and it's somewhat working because it's tamed the 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 numbers um, and people's choice of you know the the red wave, the red tsunami. Is let's let's be realistic here. Let's have an understanding that number one, the enemy is not going to give up, and number two, that the Democrats have a a plan, an actual plan in place, uh, whereas the Republicans don't, and that comes no further um then the topic of life in the after the recent results from the Supreme Court on the Dodds and Roe case. And so what you're seeing here, and this is a good article from the Daily Wire from uh, Mary Margaret Olahan, who points out that Democrats are staying kind of hard fast of the line of pro choice not talking about abortion, not talking about the murder of an innocent child and the pain that they suffer through this process. But they're they're sticking with, well, it's some mother's choice to decide, et cetera, and stuff like that. And this would be a great opportunity not only for Republicans to show where they stand, but to also educate Americans on the campaign trail of seeing how far people are will- certain people are willing to go, what they're willing to vote for. Um, infanticide, making the decision 28 days, up to 28 days after the child is born at nine months, etc. That was, remember back to the debates, if you watched it, between Hillary and, and Trump, when she was asked, would she be okay with a nine month uh, uh, abortion up to nine months? She said, yeah. And that was, if you watched it, that was one of the shifting moments. And these are things Republicans need to go after and say hey look here's our plan we stand for life do are you okay with the murder of an innocent child are you okay with this why do you think the why do you think the only choice is to end the life of the baby why not ad- adoption why not we put efforts there why not we put our money there why why don't we stand up for the value of each life and rather because here's the problem through this you have people like Blake Masters and others who have compromised their strong stances that they've had and are backing down to make it somewhat palatable for those who may or may not fully vote for them, number one, but then also are backing down from the, the value of life. And so if we're looking at this from an overarching redemptive perspective is this cannot happen. If we are going to restore the foundations of standing up for li- not just biblical moral values, for the decency of life and valuing life. And if you know anything about history, is that's one of the one things that the Germans did to the Jews is they made them seem less than. That's one of the things uh, the slave trade did to Africans and blacks who who came to America is they made them less than three fifths of a, of a man, and that's what we're doing to these babies here in this instant. And we need to realize that look, these babies are fully human, just like Jews are fully human, and, and the Africans who came over from Africa via the slave trade were fully humans as well, and still, and, and their descendants still are. And They never were not in the eyes of the Lord, and so th- this is where we need to pray here for. And more so, repent. And as you see Biden divide, um, repent for the comments made from these politicians, president, Republican, and Democrat alike, from both sides of the political aisle and intercede for the fear of the Lord to come upon this nation to stir up wisdom and revelation for not only our leaders, church leaders, constituencies, voters, everybody involved, because this isn't just going to take one person creating an idol out of a man. It's going to take everybody walking together, having differences of opinion, understanding it, coming together. If you remember Mike Johnson's, uh, when he spoke, he talked about how when the Dobbs case came out and they were talking about the idea of, well, what about uh, adoption? Rather than just abortion, and the, he could just see it of the mind-boggling scenario that she was going through, the doctor was going through, she never even uh, considered these thoughts. Is, and, and this is a situation, is people live in these silo chambers and aren't reaching across the aisle with people and spending time and breaking bread with people who that might possibly disagree with them. And that's one of those things of comfort of, look at the disciples. They were going into foreign lands foreign places without money knocking on doors and saying hey can i stay here and then letting the people decide based upon the spirit that was with them Um, and obviously there's a whole work of god and being involved in that and so we really want to be um, aware and, and just again repent for these decisions. That let that be the redemptive part of what's going on here. That that through this, people can see where this where we have come as Americans from. Who used to work together, who used to debate. I mean, public public debates on PBS or local TV about these hot topics, and now dare even mention anything about any of this uh, because it's become so divisive. Um, and so we really need to be aware of, of how far down the road we've come as a nation and get back to the foundations of the principles that the Lord founded this nation upon. And one of the last things before I get to the study of the church is there's a bill. We t- we've talked about these issues coming out of California, and there's a bill that recently just got passed in the state of California that is very, very problematic. And I want to read through this a little bit and understand the realities of this. So, there was a California Senate bill that passed, um, basically calling it the Transgender Refugee Bill. And it completely erodes not only states' rights, but not only parents' rights, but states' rights as well. And the bill passed on Wednesday. And would basically make a safe haven for children who wish to go through transgender surgeries and parents who support them in the procedures, but it would also make it more difficult for parents who want, who do not want their children to get the treatment. Then there is a democratic lawyer and parent who went through her child going through transgender ideology teaching from her teachers and pulling her out of it. And a, I mean rephrase it, a Democratic lawyer out of California has problems with it. And this is what she said. Her name is Erin Friday. She spoke with the Daily Wire about this. And she said the bill SB 107 would make it so that doctors and others could ignore foreign subpoenas, meaning other states subpoenas, and essentially disregard laws of other states regarding transgender treatment of minors. Quote, this is really pitting state against state and creating many countries, essentially, she said, adding that this law isn't limited to states that have bans on transgender surgeries and stuff like that. It affects all 50 states, and what it does is change the family code. Now, if you've been paying attention to what Rick jorner has been saying, is this is a possibility – Chris Reed even talked about a, a divide of the states, a split of the, the states, and this is what's leading – this will lead to that. Um, basically. The federal government has no authority in some cases like this, and it'll be up to the state to decide what could happen um, on a host of issues. This is very problematic. Then she goes on to say – the interview goes on to talk about um, the bill states that California court would have temporary emergency jurisdiction if the child is present in this state and the child has been abandoned or it is necessary in an emergency to protect the child because the child or the sibling or parent of the child is subjected to or threatened with mistreatment or abuse, but also because the child has been unable to obtain gender-affirming health care or gender-affirming mental health care. Meaning that someone could accuse a parent of child abuse take them to California, and if the child wants, or in some form or way, somebody, the child, anything involved, want the child to get and allow the child to get transgender surgery, go through treatments, et cetera, stuff like that, California will then um, step in, take parental rights away from the parent in another state, and allow the child to go through this. I mean, this is utterly disastrous and crazy. And then the last thing here says: Friday said that one of the most serious parts of the legislation is where It redefines family law. The bill states that the California court law would have jurisdiction to make a child custody decision if a child and at least one of the parents or a person acting as a parent have a significant connection with California, meaning they're on California soil. And she said the bill notes that this connection requirement can be met if the child is in California for the purposes of attaining gender-affirming mental health care and gender-affirming mental health care. So if they're on California and this is the reason they're there, then the state of California can step in. Which goes against um, the Interstate Compact of Juveniles from the Justice Department's Office of Juvenile and Justice of Delinquency Prevention, where in 2000 they put out a fact sheet saying that states must return and/or different states must return and/or monitor children that have uh, run away or left the care of the parent. Uh, so this is very problematic. This opens floodgates for things and people who have transitioned um, and gone re- detransitioned back to their natural gender, uh biblically assigned gender, they are like this is this is very problematic. Um and so we again want to continue on the lines uh, of repenting for uh, local and state leaders for looking to California for ideas because this will possibly open up things like that and intercede for leaders who will have the fear of the Lord when making decisions as well as using wisdom and revelation from the Lord. Um for their states and for the protection of children and and and, and the biblical moral values in this state. Okay. And I want to close on this. um, And this is why we want to pray. This is why I say we want to pray for the state of the church and church leaders. And as scripture and and Isaiah and Ephesians tells us, the world looks to the church for how it leads. And if we're called to be the light, we're called to be examples um, and spread the gospel, the kingdom and make disciples of the nation. We need to, walk out those same principles and teach those same principles. And there was a recent study done by Dr. George Barna out of the Cultural Research Center of Arizona Christian University, and he published on May 10th the results of his findings. And I want to go through the next couple of days some of these findings on this with pastors. Now the study is done um, with about a thousand pastors to better understand their worldviews and really seeing what do they what do pastors fully believe and we've, we've hinted at these before but I want to go in depth on this study for us to see and really understand and grasp what some of these pastors around this country believe and so when asked um, if pastors believe a biblical worldview meaning um, that they They possess a philosophy of life that is largely reflecting biblical principles, basic biblical principles, or i.e. the foundations of Scripture. And here are some of the results for just pastors alone, and they broke it down into five categories. First category is senior pastors, the highest level, where of those who were asked, 41% said they hold a biblical world value based on the questions asked. Then associate pastors, it drops down to 28%, teaching pastors, 13%, children and youth pastors, 12%, and we wonder why our children are coming out with um, an unbiblical worldview, to say the least, and then executive pastors, lower uh, administrative level, 4%. This is what they believe. And in total, uh, around 37% in all said they had a Biblical worldview, but they broke down per category uh, and level that the the position the pastors held in these five categories. And so they're they're saying that of this, the opposite of view is that less than 1% embrace a competitive worldview, meaning such as secular humanism, Marxism, Buddhism, etc., stuff like that, atheism, all that jazz. So that's a good thing, at least you know they don't believe in 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 all that stuff. They do believe in somewhat biblical moral values and, and foundations and principles, but the alarming thing is, is is what they actually do believe in, which is um, in the study. You can you have thirty seven percent of pastors surveyed who ha- actually have a biblical worldview, and sixty two percent of pastors possessing a a hybrid worldview, uh, known as um, sync syncretism, if I'm pronouncing that right, and what is syncretism? The question is, and syncretism is defined via the study as uh, the blending of ideas and applications of a variety of holistic worldviews into a unique but inconsistent combination that represents their personal preferences. Basically, your truth versus my truth versus the biblical truth. And, and, and just you, you cherry pick what you like and what you don't. That's not foundational. That is not scriptural um, in any way, shape, or form. And, and we we sit here and we see these results and, and understand this is a result, a snapshot of about a thousand pastors. And you you could ask the question, well, where in the country are they at? Um, where did they train from, et cetera, stuff like that. The fact is, is that this is where a result of where pastors are at. And that is problematic, and I can concur with these studies from where I've lived and seen pastors. And it's very, very um, disconcerting and and why I'm so passionate about praying and and praying for uh, we as Americans and even pastors to have and gain an understanding of a biblical worldview so that we can walk out the foundations taught in Scripture, number one. But then number two, so that we can make disciples of the nations. And and right now, we as America have a problem within our church. We, this is why we need a revival um, for the Lord to break some of just this religion off of us. And get us to a point where we're understanding uh, of the grace and the freedom that we have from the Lord, to break away from this hyper-grace mentality of some even saying there is no hell. Uh, you've probably heard that type of stuff. And this is why it is extremely important for us to intercede for this nation, intercede for our president, but and more importantly, intercede for our pastors to, to be awakened. Let the Holy Spirit come, convict them. And first it starts with yourselves is if there's anything inside your heart that may need to break away from something that is not biblically foundational is ask the Lord to just remove that um, and let's pray for our leaders and repent for where we are individually have gone wrong um, to cover ourselves but then you know ask the Lord to as we make ourselves a living sacrifice to renew our minds and give back into that foundational wisdom and alignment. Um, where sometimes we just we get off because of life and scenarios and stresses and worries and et cetera and stuff like that, especially with what's going on in the country right now. So let's rem- remember that today, as we walk out and we come into this new season, and being sober and aware about what's happening, keeping our emotions in check, and, and really not just looking for today, but looking for the, the keeping an eternal perspective of praying for not only our eternal destinies but the eternal destiny of this nation and those within the nation and nations as well so blessings and i'll go ahead and end today thank you to everyone for following along don't forget to like subscribe leave a five star review on apple this really helps us spread the word and get more people and prayer warriors involved with following along with us and joining in with the other prayer movements around this country and praying for the revival of not only believers pastors but this nation to get back to the, na- the destiny that the Lord has of spreading the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. So blessings, and I will see you guys later. Have a good one.